Mike Cohen here, and welcome to my podcast. I always like to talk to interesting constituents, and who could be more interesting than Dr. Marvin Steinberg, the beloved orthodontist in Cote St. Luke. Welcome, Dr. Steinberg. Always a pleasure to see you, Mike, and hopefully for many years you're going to be the counselor for our area because it's a pleasure having you as well. Thank you, Dr. Steinberg. I'll have you back in three and a half years for the next election to say that. All right. I'll be more than happy to support you as Terrific. always. Terrific. So, Dr. Steinberg, I like profiling people. People know you. They see your, your signage up. You've been at the Cavendish, the Cartier Cavendish for a long time. Let's go back to the beginning when you were young. Did you know you wanted to be an orthodontist? Let me correct you. First of all, when I was younger. When you were younger. Okay, you perfect. Um uh, let, let me tell you like this. In high school, in my yearbook, I wrote, uh, wanted to be a dentist. And then they said, most likely to succeed uh, drilling holes in streets. <laughs> so the, the dentistry was always in the back of my head. Why? Because I wanted to be a professional. Uh, at that time, the professions were accounting, law, dentistry, and medicine. So I was always interested in the health field. So that would make it either dentistry or medicine. So when I got into McGill, which was obviously where I wanted to go, I took all sciences and biologies with intentions of eventually applying to uh, medical school. But when I was in uh, going through the program, we all knew that in order to get into a professional school, it's better to come out of an honors program. So I applied to honors biology and I made the mistake when I was interviewed in the second year of telling the head of the department, he says, well, what do you plan on doing? I said, well, either going into dentistry or medicine. He says, you're not accepted because what they're looking for was people who would continue to go either into a master's program, a PhD in honors biology. So the next year I applied again. And the same guy interviewed me, but he didn't remember me. So I said, well, I plan on going on to marine biology and fulfilling a career in biology says, okay, you're in. Smart. Um, and then the following year, it was in my third year now in honors biology, uh, a friend of mine was going to write the dental aptitude exam. So I said, I have nothing to do. I'm going to go do it too. Uh, and I wrote the exam and then they accepted me, which I didn't really expect because I really planned on finishing my fourth year and then going on to apply to medicine. But they accepted me out of my third year. So I said, well, geez, I have an acceptance into dental school. Why take a risk and not get into medical school? So I accepted it um, through, I, I mean, I did well in my, my uh, schooling in dental school. We had some really top professors. And then when I finished that, I really didn't like dentistry. I didn't like the idea of drilling holes and things. So I then uh, went on to the Jewish General Hospital as a resident to continue my education, to get a broader exposure to all types of dentistry. And again, I had really top people uh, teaching me like Harvey Levitt, Morris Wexler, uh, some top crown and bridge specialists. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Dr. Slavkov, who just passed away. Yeah. Uh, super nice man. Um, so there, I narrowed it down to two specialties. One was either orthodontics or oral surgery. Oral surgery was another five years. Orthodontics was only two years. And one night going in for an emergency at two in the morning, I had a car accident. Oh my. So I said, you know, oral surgery is not for me. I don't need this at two in the morning. But I didn't realize the surgeon never goes in. It's always the resident. Mm -hmm. 
but I, so I applied to ortho school. My first choice was Boston University and I got accepted. Um, so, and I was fortunate to be trained by the world's top orthodontists at the time. If you look him up, Dr. Anthony Gianelli, he was in fourth year medical school. While I was the head of my department. This guy was absolutely brilliant. Mm -hmm. He had every doctorate there is, PhD, MD, DDS, uh, orthodontist. So we were, and also I had other top orthodontists in the world teaching us. So I was very fortunate in that respect. And then somehow, I don't know if you remember, uh, what was his name? Uh, um, Solomon, I forget his, his brother's. Roy, Roy, no, Roy. Roy's brothers. Roy's yeah, brother. sure. I remember I, his brother. I have yeah. a total mental block to his name. Richard. Yeah. Yeah. Richard Solomon. So he somehow found me in Boston and said, we want you to come to Cote St. Luke to the Cavendish Mall. Mm -hmm. But what he did, he was a really nice guy. He took me to every possible place in Montreal to see it. And then he brought me last to Cavendish. I said, you know, it's a good area here. There's a good population. There's schools. It's a good place to start out. So that's how I ended up at the Cavendish Mall, and the rest is history. I always dealt with Roy and Harvey Wolf um, to do all the leasing and everything. And uh, so that's how I ended up here. And somehow I got involved with uh, Hebrew Academy and Bialik, and uh, everybody obviously was happy with the service I was providing. And that's what kept me very busy. But in turn two, I have patients coming from far and wide, and I mean far. We have patients that come from Ottawa. We have, really? Oh, yeah. Because I, I'm at this point, I'm a destination. It's not, they're coming specifically for me. Right. Uh, we've had a patient come from Guernsey, which is in the Channel Islands. We had one guy from Paris, mm -hmm. another guy from Africa. So, and the results, and we've also treated some very famous people, uh, ho uh, Canadian hockey players, uh, Prime Minister's wife. Uh, Really? So all kinds of people have come through the office. And so would you estimate how many people, how many, how many mouths, if you put braces on over the last thousands, many decades, thousands, thousands, and I mean, thousands, thousands and, and thousands. How has the business changed? Now I had my braces 47 years ago by Dr. Eric B. Reich, who you went to high school with, uh, and he was nearby and, uh, uh, in those days, um, I don't know, I remember what it was like to wear braces and have the elastics and wear the headgear. Um, how has orthodontistry evolved over the years? Okay, it's, it's probably evolved faster than even medicine. The highest technology is in dentistry. I mean, in your day, I assume you had a band around the tooth. Today, the braces are very small. They're glued onto the teeth. So there's no bands around the teeth. Headgears are rarely used uh, because the, the North America, the major problem is the lower jaw is too far back and it has to be brought forward. But in those days, they didn't realize you could do that. So everybody got a headgear. And if your face was good at the end, that was great. But if it wasn't, it was just too bad. Uh, prime example is Celine Dion, whose face is compressed because they remove teeth when they probably shouldn't have. Uh, but again, that was the state of the art then. You did something like that today you, you, it's a malpractice suit uh right. so today we're the dentistry today is face driven your day it was tooth driven so we look at the face what does that face need to get the results so we do a lot of growth stuff for young kids we do jaw surgery for adults um, and all these things are, are being done today as well in your day they had impression material called alginate 
Today we have scanners that you can scan and then the, an ST, what's called an STL file can be either sent to your own 3D printer or sent by internet to some place to print the models. And in the future, everything will be done by scanning. That means the braces will be manufactured for that particular patient. The computers will generate the wires that have to be made. So, and the position of the teeth that they have to be placed. You've been doing this for many Over decades now. Yeah. How many years? Over 40. So over 40 years and you still love it, obviously. Oh, it's, for me, it's a passion. I, like, you know, there's an expression. If you do something that you don't like, that's work. If you do something you like, it's not work. Mm -hmm. I don't work. I, I do what I do because I like to do it. And then even though we work on contract, I can tell you sometime I go way over contract. I really don't care because my goal is to give everybody that Steinberg million dollar smile, you know, mm -hmm. and everybody knows my smile because it's slightly different. Like I ran into one of my own patients the other day here in Cote St. Luke. And she says, you know, and she had a beautiful smile. She said, you know, everybody knows your smile because it's different because I like a nice, big, broad smile. But the downside of doing something like that, because the studies show that it's not uh, stable, it'll go wrong. So you need to wear a retainer. The retainer must be worn all the time for a year. Right. And then after that, sleep only probably indefinitely. My wife wears a retainer every night to keep the results stable. Um, my daughter's been out of treatment for 20 years, 30 years, and she still wears a retainer night and the teeth are perfect. That's good discipline. Yeah, you have to be disciplined. You know, orthodontics is like plastic surgery. Only plastic surgery is good for maybe five years. This, if you take care of it, is a lifetime. Yeah. Now, you must run into, like you said, a lot of former clients, people, patients who who you had seen 10, 20, 30. What do they do? Do they come and they smile for you right away? The first well, as soon as I run into them, like the other day, by coincidence, in the same day, three old patients I ran in. I had to go see Dr. Sheen for myself. There's an adult patient sitting there. He knows me, but I didn't recognize him. Right. And he, he said, Dr. Summer, I said, yes. And, and then he told me who he was. I said, give me a smile. So that's the first thing. And his teeth were perfect because he was still wearing the retainer. Then I went to the Bank of Montreal. The, the young guy serving me was another patient, also with the teeth beautiful. So I like running into nice teeth. And uh, it gives me great pleasure to see it. And unlike general dentistry, only one dentist knows if another dentist is really any good. But orthodontics, you can see what I did. It's you don't have to be a dentist. You can see where somebody was to somebody where they ended up. And it's really a wonderful feeling. I mean, even occasionally I get letters from patients thanking me, saying, you know, it changed my life because I have more uh, self-esteem mm -hmm. and they feel better about themselves. How many patients have you had who are the children of patients? I'm on the second generation now. I'm not on the third generation, but I'm on the second generation. That so must be pretty cool. Yeah, it's not only cool, but it shows the confidence the parent had. I even have patients yeah. sometimes call me, like we just had one recently that I haven't treated in years, but they're calling to ask me to refer them to a dentist because they trust me before they do anything. Yeah. So they want to know what my thinking is, and we don't mind doing all these things. Yeah. I bet one thing you never you would have predicted for your career was a global pandemic. How did that affect your, your well, life? Well, when it, when it first occurred by law, we had it close for two and a half months, but during that two and a half months, I did lots of reading and lots of preparation because we had to be prepared to reopen. But in reality, it did the exact opposite because of zoom. We've got a lot of adults who were watching themselves on zoom. They didn't like their teeth. So 
Interesting. So that was one that brought in patients that now saw their own teeth up close and didn't like it. Also, because they weren't going anywhere and they weren't spending money, they had more time on their hands and they had more money to come in to do the procedure. So we got busier. It worked the other way. It didn't work against us, unlike in the restaurant business and other businesses. For us, it made us even busier. Amazing. So uh, what's, your, what is, what's your career plan? Do you have a, do you have a stop Yes, date? I do. Yes, I do. That was a very good question. Because I love what I do, Next year, I'm bringing in a nice young man. His name is Emmanuel Suisa. He will be graduating. He will be joining the practice so that we can keep going for another 40 years. Not The advantage of him, besides being very nice and knowledgeable, he was an engineer first. So as an engineer and an orthodontist, you're not going to beat that combination. And he really cares about people. He cares about taking care of them. Unlike some orthodontists who are more financially driven, He's patient-driven, and that's what we want, a person who is patient-driven. That if you take care of people properly, the, the income will come. But if you don't take care of people properly, you'll never be busy. So my goal is always uh, to take care of people the way they deserve to be taken care of. And I can tell you that I treated lots of very wealthy people and lots of people where that dollar was tough. I treat them equally because they are paying me the same amount of money for the same result. And they both deserve the same type of treatment. So I don't treat somebody who is somebody very famous any different than I treat the person who has to work hard for that dollar. They both deserve the exact same treatment. And well, that's what I, I, do. I uh, will, you know, thank my parents, my, my late dad and my mom who uh, found a way to afford braces for three children. And, you know, uh, they didn't have a big income coming in and, and they, and they did that. And of course uh, that uh, gave us all the smiles that we needed. Um, and uh, my daughter went to Dr. Weinstein, the famous Dr. Weinstein, Paul Weinstein, yeah. Yeah. and he was her dentist and he actually did things that prevented her from having to have braces. He had all kinds of ways that, I guess he cost you a client even probably because he did no. such a great job. We don't, we don't, I don't mind the, the, that. I'm happy to see somebody who does not need treatment. And quite often people come in to me for consultation and I say, look, you really don't need any treatment. Your mouth is healthy the way it is. It's mm -hmm. actually not necessary to do anything because you got to realize if you tell, if you're honest with people and you do what they need that you're not going to get better advertising than that. So the goal is to do treat people the way you want to be treated. And if you do, if that's your motto, you will always be successful. So my goal is always to treat my patients as if they're my family members. I'm not going to do any different for them than I would do for my own. So it's easy to make decisions. Well, Dr. Steinberg, congratulations. Keep on going. And thanks for all the great work you do. Well, we, like I said, with the coming of uh, Dr. Suisa, we're going to go for another 40 years, but you're not allowed to let them tear them all down because we need a location. Okay. Well, just watch closely the next few uh, months as we do our consultation on the mall, but I think we're keeping the office tower intact. So don't worry. Yeah. yeah well, the CLSC is all in there. They'll be a little upset. I think. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So it's Dr. always a pleasure, Michael. And if you need anything, you know where to find me. You got it. Dr. Marvin Steinberg has been my guest. All right. Have a wonderful evening. Thanks again. You